and welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am your, of the moment, moderator, Father Chuck, and I'm joined with our good friend, long-lost friend, prodigal son of the podcast, Father Fun. Hey, good to be with you. Yeah, man. Um, it's good to have you. And, and like I said, I, I, before we start recording, you're, you're, you're looking thin, you're looking good. I don't know if it's because black is a slimming color because you're in your black clericals, <laughs> but you're, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting the vapors looking at you here, Funston. Hey, I appreciate you saying that. You know, um, they say that uh, Advent is, uh, it looks good on you. So I'm, I'm happy, happy to be showing the Advent off. Good, good. We are in the season of Advent, as he said, um, which is the time where you prepare ourselves somberly, hopefully, for um, the birth of our Lord Jesus. Uh, question for you, Patrick. Um, is yeah. your church uh, is your church a purple or a blue church in Advent? We are actually a both church uh, in Advent. Our chapel is dressed up in one, and our uh, nave is dressed up in the other, and then we flip them. Um, and so we actually we actually got a really beautiful purple set as a memorial a few years back, and um, and I really like it. But I want to use it for Lent this year for some reason. So we're so we're in the blue. And the blue is is also gorgeous. Uh, it's a little bit more limited of a set. It doesn't have as many pieces, and so my deacons aren't wearing full blue uh, uh, dalmatics, which is their main vestment. Um, they're instead wearing a cream-colored dalmatic muslin dalmatic with a blue overstole. So, okay. um, so yeah, we're 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 blue this year. All right. Yeah, we're we're blue here at the chapel too. For for those of us, uh, for those of our listeners who have no idea what the heck Father Father and I are talking <laughs> about, see, this is this is the thing I love. Like right now, it's two Episcopal priests having the podcast, so we get to just be like, you know, we can we can do like inside baseball and leave everybody out in the lurch. Um, but no, um, some churches wear um, purple vestments, like purple stoles and chasubles. For those who don't know, what those are those are the scarves and the uh, poncho looking things that uh, that priests um, often wear. Um, and some churches use blue and there's various, there's a whole bunch of debate about this because some people say that Advent is meant to be a time of penitence akin to Lent, which is the time before Easter. And so that's why we wear purple. Um, but then there are some of us who think that Advent should be kind of its own thing with its own kind of character and its own notes of hope rather than penitence. And so we oftentimes wear blue. I don't know where you come on this in, in regards to why you wear blue other than maybe like, it's just pretty. I mean, honestly, I think blue is pretty. That's really my primary motivator for it but i also yeah we can wear we can wear purple and uh in in lent and so i don't need to wear it in in advent um you know but i also like you know ox blood and um you know we've got kind of a burlap set that we use in lent some years and that's really pretty too yeah I just it's it's kind of whatever the mood strikes when the altar guild director says to me, hey, what color are we going to be this year? And I say, <laughs> hmm, let's do blue. But I was realizing this year this, and this is really inside baseball for those of you who <laughs> have never worn a chasuble. But our blue set, the chasuble is pretty heavy and it's also it's like unbalanced or something. Okay. And so so the so when I go up into the Oron's position, which is when <laughs> when you lift your hands at, at the altar, it slides back. Okay. And like chokes me and my little lapel mic is like riding up into my beard and my <laughs> neck. And I, and I feel like I constantly have to readjust it and pull it down. And it just isn't. And I think it's, it's like very slick on the inside. It's some kind of silk or something. And, and so it's pretty, but it's, it's not, it's just, it's hard, it's hard to wear. Right. Well, I know some older, older sets of vestments, they would actually have like ties inside of them to tie them in place. So they wouldn't do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um, um, it's uh, it's 
it's a weird thing. Sorry, I just got very distracted because um, we have a we have a we have a, a phone call for a guest that's coming on here. Oh. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell him to try to call in. Um, what's gonna happen is is we're gonna lose this recording, so I'll have to pause it and, and start it up. Um, but while we're, while we're waiting for our guests to phone in, it's, I mean, it's not really a guest. I don't know why I'm acting like it's a big surprise. It's officer Matt. Officer Matt's going to finally be on here. Um, I do want to note that, um, longtime listeners have probably noticed there's been a gap, um, in our, in our show. And that is, um, for various reasons, which I will get to in a moment because Matt is calling in. So hold on one moment. All right. Officer Matt is with us. Am I in? You are in. Can you hear Patrick and me? Can, can you hear me? I can hear you. I think so. Okay. Oh, I can hear you, yes. <laughs> awesome. However, right. it's not letting me see you guys as usual, so I may not know who's talking to me randomly. <laughs> it's funny. This thing was – I've got like two old numbers for you on Skype, Matt, and it was not letting me – and we couldn't find the new one. So I had to change your name to Officer Matt in order to find you and add you to this call. But now I've done it. I've got it. But because I don't have your screen, it just has your initials and it says Ohm. And I feel like I'm, it's like I'm, I'm meditative with my Ohm. Um, I bring peace. What can I say? So awesome. Well, Officer Matt is with us. Father Fun is with us. Um, And uh, listeners, as I was saying before, Matt called us in. um, You might've noticed for the past few weeks, we've been on a bit of a hiatus um, and that's partly due to just the busyness of the Christmas season. Um, also due to, um, as we mentioned several, several weeks back about um, JP having to take a little bit of a, a leave, um, that finally came up. And so he is, he is kind of MIA for a little while, but we will be, we're looking forward to welcoming him back in due course. Um, but that currently, I guess, leaves me serving as moderator, which I feel very ill-equipped uh, to, to, to handle, um, partly because I talk way too much and don't listen enough. So, um, um, so that's, that's a thing to deal with. So, but the thing that brought us finally out of our, our Christmas induced, uh, exile, um, is a little thing, uh, a major thing that happened. Um, are you talking about the inclusion of Donald Trump in the hall of presidents? I actually Disney? was, I was actually going to, I was going to talk about Disney and this major thing that Disney dropped on us recently, and I was going to make everyone think I was talking about Star Wars, and then I was going to pull a real quick one and say, no, they finally added Donald Trump to the Hall of Presidents. Um, Sorry to your joke. Sorry. I wanted to help you with your joke, and I didn't know what it was going to be. It's all right. I didn't trust you. <laughs> it's all right, man. But Donald Trump has been added to the Hall of Presidents. So Yes, I don't believe it has officially okay. opened yet, but he is, he is in there. Um which is a, a dark day for me um, because I've, I've quite enjoyed this past year going to Disney and seeing the sign that says that they're still waiting for our new president. And I kind of, I've kind of derived some joy out, especially as the Russia investigation has gone on to think that, yeah, we are kind of still waiting for our new president too. Um, and there was also a small part of me that was hoping that they would, they would just keep everything exactly as it was, just add him in there just not saying a word he's just on the stage so they can say that he's there falter all to it yeah. you know maybe stick him behind like i don't know like calvin coolidge just trying to peek around trying to see that's like the only movement his animatronic does he's just trying to peek around people's shoulders he's like i'm here <laughs> while barack obama continues to talk It'd be great um yeah. but no apparently he talks about um 
the great uh, the greatness that is America and um, that our best days are ahead of us. Uh, maybe. I mean, depending on how the Russian investigation goes, I think our best days are ahead of us. In fact, um, I think we have a bright future um, in 2018, 2020. So, um, so I can wear my political uh, leanings on my sleeve here on this podcast. Um, anyway, and Matt is, of course, uh, quiet, which is to be expected. <laughs> Keeping the world safe. Oh, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. yeah yep. Still here. Oh, good, good. Um, so yeah, so yeah, so uh, Donald Trump has been finally added to the Hall of the Hall of President. So that 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 happened. Uh, the funny thing is that Patrick, you pointed out um, the photo that was shared that we saw online, that it looks like some intentional arrangement was done to make it look super embarrassing. Yeah, it just it just it just looks awkward. It looks like they're definitely trying to get the presidents to comment on whatever it is that he's saying or that he's there i don't know it looks like a lot of animatronic side eye is what it looks like yeah um yeah so no but we're not here to talk about donald trump the robot we are here to talk about the last jedi the new star wars film um that's what brought us out of our our, our exile here at masters of divinity so um we've all seen it it was a pleasant little movie right we have we have we have some mild thoughts about it right I would agree that it is a pleasant little movie. Did you see that today they released the numbers for its uh, its box office? Yeah. Uh, second biggest box office in history, opening opening box office, second only to The Force Awakens. That's <laughs> <laughs> incredible. Yeah. And, uh, and, of course, Disney announced as well that they are officially acquiring uh, 21st Century Fox, you know, so the uh, – the consolidation continues, and uh, this is a, it's about to be Disney's world. Yes. What, already. Yes, they have. Disney, Disney has official distribution rights to my beloved Avatar now. And they also have distribution rights to the original Star Wars trilogy. I saw that. It was very interesting. Um, I didn't realize that was still held over by Fox. So, which means that they may be able to uh, release a non-special edition restoration of it. There is there is there is a 4K non-special edition version that has been screened for people. I understand, so it does exist, but they've been mm-hmm. unable to release that until now. How? I mean, it's not going to be until like 2019 that this thing is all finalized. But how cool would it be if like they were able to like rush that to to print like by Christmas time? It would be cool. Uh, and I I've been uh, my daughter has not yet seen for any Star Wars movies. And um, and so I was holding off until her fourth birthday, which would be October of 2018. So if they could get that done in time for that, that would be fantastic. So on my my Lord and Savior Disney, uh, if you could get that to happen, please. <laughs> her big big brother. Do they own Skype as well? I don't know. That's Microsoft. So. Yeah, they they own they, they, own, they own like Hulu and they own they own everything right now. It's uh it's pretty crazy. So. Uh, Star Wars: The The Last Jedi. Um, it has elicited some some strong reactions from the Star Wars fandom. Uh, I've seen images online of people burning Star Wars T-shirts, saying that it is an affront to every Star Wars movie that came before it. Um, and more milder responses, I have heard people say that they thought it was okay. Um, they thought they, that that Kylo Ren was kind of weak as a character in this. Um, and, um, and then we kind of everything in between. And then there's a bunch of us who really, really like the movie and think it's exactly what star Wars needed to be. Um, some people even saying, I've seen several times people mentioning that this was the movie that they've been waiting to see since the credits rolled on empire strikes back, back in 1980. Um, mm-hmm. so 
where do where do we fall on this, uh, f- uh, Officer Matt? What are your What are your thoughts on Star Wars: The Last Jedi? Oh, I get thrown. I get thrown in first. Huh? Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, um, the line of duty. Thrown right under the bus. I I loved it. That's that's. I'll I'll start with that. Oh, can, I, um, but before you continue, I do want to acknowledge to our listeners that this will be a very spoiler-filled conversation. So if you've not seen the movie, do not, and you don't want spoilers, do not listen any further. Just just turn this off and later. just go to the movie. Just go and go see it and then come right back and you can listen to us on your drive home. Yes, come come back and listen to it after. Um, don't forget to listen, though. Just come back. Right, right. <laughs> yes. Just uh, pause us. Leave your car yeah, running. No. no one will steal your car at the theater. Be fine. I I loved it. There are aspects of the movie that I still, to be honest with you, I think it deserves a second viewing, um, which I'm already working on getting my wife to go see it with me. It's just schedule. Um, there are aspects of the movie I'm not sure how I feel about them quite yet. Um, parts of the parts of the story that I want to see again. However, I could not disagree with people more from the opinions I've heard on the topic of Kylo Ren and the Force in this movie. I uh, was a huge, huge fan of the Force what are, what are and people, the way what are, it was depicted. What are you hearing what, people we, say about the Force? Can, can, we, can, we, uh, can we table that, hold that for a thought? Let's, yeah. uh, can we get all of yeah, our initial takes and then come back to that's that? Why, uh, that's why I kind of left that one vague right now. We'll okay. come back to that. Okay. Um, but... That's why all I was saying right now is I'm a I was a huge fan of Kylo Ren and the Force. Um, those are two things about this movie I loved, and I will leave it there. Exactly like Father Fun just said was going to be that was my cutoff because I want to hear what everybody thinks before we get into more detail on them. My. Uh, I will moderate myself into this. Yeah, uh, I, I think you've just decided to become <laughs> moderator for this episode. Yeah. I think that's what's happening well, here. Well played, sir. Well loading, played. Loading moderator. Um, I what I've been telling people, my non-spoilery reaction is um, that I loved it, and I and I and I really like it as a film, as as a as a piece of science fiction film. Um, the concerns that I have are about just what are they going to do at this point? Like I just I just I just wonder. Decisions that they made in this film make me wonder what they think that their end game is. If episode nine is indeed the end of the Skywalker saga and we're getting something new from Ryan Johnson in the future, then what is what is it that they're gonna do? <laughs> that's all that that's my that's my little review thing, but I'll I'll say more for the detail time. Yeah, I mean uh, I just to touch on that before I get to my feelings on it, I they could not ever. They could make a. They could. They could stop making Star Wars movies, at this point, and it would feel like it had a pretty satisfying conclusion with this one. Um, I really appreciate that Ryan Johnson made a movie that felt like a self-contained, or as much as it could be a self-contained movie, a movie with a story that ended. It didn't. No cliffhanger. No allusion to what to something next. It ended. It had an ending. Um, which I, which I, which I really appreciate. Um, I also love the movie. Um, I think people who, I think there are problems with the movie in terms of some narrative issues, which we can get into in a bit. Uh, but overall, um, it is among the very best star Wars movies. Um, it is a very good movie. Um, 
the villain is Kylo Ren is great as a villain. Um, all the characters are great, and I I am just so 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 happy to see Luke Skywalker on screen again. That um, I'm almost willing to overlook almost anything wrong with the movie because I I, I wanted to see that since see more Luke Skywalker since the credits rolled on Re- uh, Return of the Jedi, and then of course we we all got a major tease with the Force Awakens, and we're left like. He didn't even say a word. Didn't even say a word in the in that movie. So um, I do, I do, I do love how this one picks up with him right where that one left off. And yeah. personally, I did get a kick out of where they took it that you just toss a lightsaber <laughs> over his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> I I laughed out loud. I will admit I, that was just personally. <laughs> yeah, getting into the weeds a little bit now that we're talking about that is I, what I love about Luke in this movie is I love that he's. He's very much like a like a like your your classic monk character, you know. If you know, Christian tradition is like a desert father kind of eccentric hermit. He's you know he's um, or he's like a like a like a like a Taoist or Buddhist uh, hermit character who um, just seems like really insulting at first. A little bit like Yoda, right? When when Luke first encounters Yoda, who's um, a little bit of a jerk, um, comes across as you know very mean. Of course, uh, Yoda has some compassion. Um, and some and some strategy to what he's doing. Luke, on the other hand, is very much he doesn't want anyone around him. Um, but that that sense of he's he's finally let go of kind of everything and he's just hanging out on this planet on this island uh, to die. And that yeah that, that so you, everything you need to know about him and where he's at in this movie happens in the exact first second you see him when he grabs that lightsaber and tosses it over his shoulder. That's that's Luke Skywalker <laughs> at that point. Yeah, and I and I th- and I did think at that moment that we were going to be getting the kind of training montage of the kind of um, world weary is not the right initially. I think that's what he was was the kind of world weary. But when he threw the lightsaber, I thought that it was going to be the beginning of some training thing about how the force doesn't do what you want it to do and it's hard work and like you're going to have to go get this lightsaber kind of a thing. I didn't realize that he was like until later, obviously, that he was actually throwing away the lightsaber because he just didn't want to have this conversation. Right. Right. Well, I, I, Matt, Matt, I'm interested in since you there with that Kylo Ren and the Force situation. I'm interested in that conversation. I'm wondering if we can mod, moderate over that direction. Tell us what you think. I have not had the chance, and I'm annoyed that I haven't. But that's the joys of life being busy. I haven't had the chance to do a lot of looking into what people are saying, other than I've had several different people tell me that their complaint with the movie is Kylo Ren and the Force, that they did not like the Force in this movie, they didn't like what they did with it, and I've never had the chance, and I'm hoping one of you has maybe gotten to read some more detail. I haven't had the chance to ask them why. It's always passing conversation, and they're like, I don't like Kylo Ren, I thought he sucked, and the Force was just, the way they did the Force annoyed me, and I didn't like it at all. And I'm Uh, like, wait, what? And that's like where it stopped. The way that you said that made me think that you were saying talking about Kylo Ren and the Force like as it went as one unit, but I can understand now because you're talking about Kylo Ren, right? The Force, two two right. different comma, okay, the, and the Force. <laughs> I, I did. Um, I feel like they took the Force, like they did some stuff with the Force here that I didn't feel was uh, like I think it was consonant with the earlier movies, but it took it. It, it commented on the force in a different way. I have not read anything specifically about that though. So Charles, do you have anything that you've read to lead this conversation a little bit better than just random? 
Yes, new moderator, I do. Um, Supreme Supreme Leader Fun. Um, uh, hey, watch that license. Oh, we all saw how it ends for him. Watch Ky- out. Kylo Fun. Um, I, uh, yeah, the things that people are, well, on one hand, we forget that there is a whole generation of people who grew up with the prequels and that they, they actually love the prequels. Yes. And which is which is what I believe is the key to this discussion, which is why I'm curious what you've read. So, but, there are, so continue. So there are some people who sort of bought into the idea that, you know, that the force is, you know, sort of reflected in the idea of midichlorians, that there's this biological aspect that taps into the force. Some people have more of it, some people than, than others do. Um, but that the force is like a weapon, that it's it's like a superpower. And, I, and that's what people seem to be really upset about is that Luke brings us back to the original trilogy's notion, you know, like, or like, or mm-hmm. like, like what Yoda talks about. I mean, pretty much everything that Luke says about the Force echoes very, very closely to what Yoda says about the Force on Dagobah and Empire Strikes Back. And, you know, we've just we've been so accustomed to, like, you know, video games like The Force Unleashed and the, and the, and the prequels where it was a superpower that allowed for, like, this crazy martial arts activity. We forget that it's a it's a concept that's very religious in their world. Yes, it's a it, it's a very spirit, spiritual. Yeah, it's a very spiritual thing, um, and that there's more to it than just being able to jump really high and to fling lightsabers and stuff like that. But I think uh, the the people who have had problems with it is they don't like the fact that it's been turned into a that in their mind that it's been turned into a mystical thing, um, forgetting that it was always intended to be a mystical thing. Um, and I and I and I really don't get where people get come from this. I mean, these are the same people. They really don't like Rogue One as a movie either. And Rogue One, I think, did a really good job of showing, of bringing us back to that place with um, I can't remember the character's name, but the the one the guy's a Force monk, one of the the keepers of the wills or whatever. Um, yeah. And um, but yeah, that's that's one of the criticisms. And and then in regards to Kylo Ren, wait 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 let's oh, let's have the let's have the Force conversation okay. first. Um. What what I what I got out of this movie that I didn't get from Yoda was that Yoda is afraid of the dark side, right? Completely, completely afraid of the dark side. He is he's he is um, you know he was the Jedi Grandmaster, lived for nine hundred years because he completely stayed away from the dark side of himself and expected the same thing of his students, um, which was a difficulty for Luke when he was young and obviously was a difficulty for Count Dooku um, who ended up turning. What, what I got from this movie was that there was this more of a sense of, of articulated balance a necessity of balance. And the way that Snoke described it was when the, when the dark rises, the light to meet it, when the light rises, the dark to meet it, which explains why, why Ray is as powerful as she is. The explanation of why Ray is as powerful as she is with no being nobody, you know, being her own thing. Right. If David S. Pumpkins um, <laughs> is that is that she was actually created by the power or her, her powers were given to her. Her force awareness and attunedness was given to her because Kylo Ren and Snoke were so powerful. And, and then that, that you see that force being being granted to her over the course of the force awakens, right? The force, there has been an awakening in the force. Have you felt it? And so he says, the dark was powerful. The light rises to meet it. And in Snoke's mind, there's going to always be this balance of power. Now, what I'm interested in and what I think is going to happen is 
I, I think that there's something in the end result of these of this Skywalker saga where we're going to learn that the best thing <laughs> is for Force users to be within themselves balanced. Not mm -hmm. like not like Yoda. Like Yoda is a pure Yoda is pure light. Sidious is pure darkness. Snoke is pure right. darkness and aspires to pure darkness. Yeah. That 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 the goal, you know, in the in the in the last movie in Force Awakens, we we learned that uh, that Kylo Ren is a dark side user who feels the call of the light side, and in this movie we saw during her training, Rey is a light side user who feels the call of the dark side, much like her master Luke was, and that instead of expunging, I feel like the resolution is going to be that instead of expunging the other side of your abilities. That the wholeness of life as a force user or as a, a priest in this in this church of the force or whatever is that you understand you become a gray a gray Jedi, which there is a history of in canon. That's a, that's, that's, a, that's kind uh, of where they have to they be. Yeah, they definitely they definitely move to a very it's it's a very yin and yang version of the right it's down, of the yeah. force kind of the it's it's the understanding that um, there's a you know, with yin and yang, it's the understanding that you might be light, but there's always that little bit of dark there, and that it's the balance between the two and the existence of one inside the other that that makes it function and makes life whole. Well, and there's um, that, and, and there's it definitely. That, I'll say that there's even if you notice in um, an octo the uh, at the Jedi Temple, there's that little like fountain with mosaic in it, and that's basically a yin and yang symbol. Right. Like Luke, yeah, Luke's... and and I mean if. And I mean, if you really, if you really dive into, I mean, if you want to really get nerdy and dive into the concept and look at the force and talk about, I mean, back when Yoda was talking about, there's going to be one who brings balance to the force. And then Luke is, is moving it toward this idea that balance comes from, comes from within, not, not trying to control what's outside, but to be balanced yourself is how there's balance. And it's kind of, um, JP, I feel like, would, would be interesting in this conversation because JP gets annoyed with discussions about the light side and dark side because he, he talks about how he, he, he just doesn't like those terms used because he feels like there was just the force and then we decided to start calling it light and dark to describe it. Um, and that's kind of, in a way, kind of where this movie's moving is that there's the force. It's, it, it's, it's the thing that binds all things together and how you choose to use it is what makes light or dark. It's not that the force itself exists as light or dark, but it's what you choose to do with it. So to find balance inside yourself would be balance in the force. And if you take the concept like Yoda talks about, you know, how fear is the is the path to the dark side and that anger and, and leads to hatred and suffering. Well, what if you live your life afraid of the dark side and afraid of your own anger, then are you not crossing over into the dark side by trying to fight it and be holy, holy the light side and have nothing to do with fear and anger and being able to understand fear, anger and suffering and control it inside yourself. Right. And that's, and that's actually very, that, 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 that skews heavily to, to kind of the overarching film, theme of the film. I mean, we have that bit toward the end where, with, um, with uh, Finn and Rose where she talks about you don't win wars by defeating what you hate, by, by preserving what you love. And there's that sense that right. – and I'm not this, – this comes from reviews and stuff I've read too. But there's a, that sense that when you focus solely on the thing you hate and overcoming the thing you hate, 
you wind up becoming hateful. But when you focus on the thing you love, you become a loving person. And, and so that same kind of idea, like, like you're saying, Matt, like if you're, if you're, if you're, you tell people not to be afraid of the dark or not to be afraid that fear leads to the dark side. But if you're afraid of the dark side, then exactly you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're in danger of that thing. So I think that's, that's kind of the theme that they're setting up in this. I mean, I don't know if they're setting up anything, but that's a theme that they're that, 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 that played out in this movie is that. Well, and that's, and, and I do think it ties in with the original, the original storyline of Luke Skywalker and his journey in the in the real first three movies, um, his journey from this like wide-eyed kid who wanted to be part of the light side, the Jedi, and then he grew to hate the dark side so much that he started to become it. He right. risked crossing over because of his hatred of the dark side, because hate is the path to it, and yet how do you fight it if you hate it because then you're becoming it like that was kind of his story to begin with and then in this one i think it was a natural progression of his character that he's going to wind up because i i always said love luke skywalker always love star wars but if you go back and watch it it's like you know most of the time he just kind of comes across as a whiny kid yeah. and it makes sense that when it makes sense that when one of his pupils became what he hated the most he would cut himself off completely well but even be like no i'm done with this well I, I mean or even even to the extent that he he hated the dark side so much that even like this hint of it that he saw in 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 ben solo <laughs> would lead him to try to kill the kid even momentarily to, con- to consider killing him um, right but and then and then and then that's some dark side stuff right has, there yeah, and then Ray said that he found a way to cut himself off from the Force completely. Right. So he found a way to, to he isolated himself to the point where he's not even in tune with the Force because he had so much fear and hatred toward the dark side that he became, in essence, a thing he hated by trying to fight it. Um, and uh, and like yeah, and like you're saying, to have that thought of if I kill him now, I could this will be better. Um, just it, it just showed that that progression of his path, which I think we saw in the other three movies to return to the Jedi is kind of the path he was walking on, um, kind of always, always this tightrope walk between the two. Yeah. Yeah. I had this realization kind of continuing the fourth conversation, but a little bit of a diversion in the middle of my sermon on Sunday. I was uh, I was thinking about the force and um, I was not preaching about the force. I was actually preaching about Stranger Things, but um, <laughs> I was uh, I was thinking about the Force and realizing our 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 gospel on Sunday was about John the Baptist and how he proclaimed the the light. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. Um, and the, you know, the light shines in uh, in the darkness, but the darkness is not overcome. And I realized that the articulation of the Force by Snoke and that the kind of canon descriptions of the force is in no way is very much a Taoist principle. This balance is that is, is the, is the desire and the goal. Whereas in Christianity, we're all about this understanding that the darkness of the world is overcome by light and there's no chance for the darkness to then rise to meet it. But, uh, but in, uh, in star Wars, when the light is very powerful in the prequels, when the Jedi council is ruling over everything, that is when the darkness of Sidious, uh, is able to, is able to rise uh, and to claim the to, to find that balance, and that there's always going to be that kind of balance back and forth. But in Christianity, the darkness is destroyed. Yes, but I could, 
Uh, yes, and however, I, I can, I can, I'm gonna pull a uh, an improv and yes, and you. <laughs> um, the, however, if you take that, it, this is kind of like now I'm gonna t- cross over into the eye rolling phase of Masters of Divinity, if yeah. you will, and apply and apply thoughts about this movie in ways that I will agree with somebody listening now. They're not meant to be applied, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, however, if you take that concept and apply it to our day-to-day life as a Christian, a lot of problems in Christianity arise when we live in such a way that we act like our goal as a person is to conquer all those people who are living in darkness, um, rather than loving on the people and living in a world that is is still dealing with darkness and living in a way where it's like, we're here to show you the light in spite of the fact that darkness is still here. We're here to live as an example. We're here to love on you. It's kind of like the um, Rose's statement is kind of a, a great lesson for all of us. You don't, you don't win battles by fighting what you hate. You win it by saving what you love. And it's kind of a lesson that I feel like should be applied to the day-to-day life of living out Christianity is how we live like Christ did is to to dwell on the things that we love and to point out what we love about humanity and about people um, no matter what the darkness that they're living in is we're pointing out the the light that's in them and loving on and loving on them um, but if we live in a way where we're just trying to stamp out darkness that's when Christianity tends to get itself in a lot of problems. Because I believe that the narrative of Scripture is that darkness is conquered, but it's not our job to conquer it. That's already done, and that's how the story ends. But our job right now is to live in a world that's still dealing with that and to show them what love is in the midst of darkness, not to try and stamp it out and and kill what is quote-unquote evil, but to to love and point out light and point out the image of God and the, and the people around us. See, um, I, this, this whole conversation about light and dark, I, I, as I, in, 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 in some of my recent study in the scripture, I feel that, I don't I feel like we largely have taken this, we, we, we've westernized this way of thinking that I don't think maybe is necessarily there in scripture. Um, because the language, I mean, we, we talk about the darkness, not overcoming the light in first John um, but that, that word in other translations say it's not comprehended, that um, the darkness does not comprehend the light, which is a, a more of an idea of diametric opposition rather than a, a, a thing of battle in the sense of, you know, overcoming. Um, you know, because the, 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 the crazy thing, I mean, if we look at the trajectory of the story of Scripture, you know, everything begins in darkness, um, and then God spoke and said, let there be light, and there was light. Well, as soon as light is introduced into the, into the scenario, darkness is suddenly given definition and shape because it, it, it's where the light is not. Um, and then later in the Psalms, we have that, the, this great line, um, the darkness is not dark to you, the night is as bright as the day. Um, you know, this idea that God is present in both darkness and in light that it's it's not you know we have this idea of saying that like darkness is where god is not well god's in both things in the way the scripture works um and so i i i, I, there, I mean there's more to there's probably a lot more that kid that, that i would need to say in in in, in looking into it. but I, I but i do worry that not worry but i do wonder at this idea that where we 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 talk about darkness and light and being these di- the diametrically opposed ideas and if that might be more of a greek philosophical 
Western philosophical concept than the Jewish theological philosophical ideas that the scriptures have written, and we've just sort of interpreted them in more of a Western way that maybe what scripture is talking about is a little closer to like what's talked about in, in Taoist thought that these are two things that, you know, that they in a way need each other that, you know what I'm saying? And that, and that basically the Jedi have done the same thing. They've, they've preferenced one side of this over the other, rather than looking at, you know, because, because all the irony about bringing balance to the force there's no way they can bring this. Is something JP has pointed out to me. There's no way they can bring balance if their whole goal is to eradicate the dark side of the force. There is no balance then. That's a good point. Right, like that's the learning. That's what I'm saying is going to be the learning of the Skywalker saga. Is yeah. like, and, and I've always right. maybe you can explain this to me, but like in the prequels, when Qui Gon Jinn is going on and on about how Anakin is going to be is the chosen one who's going to bring balance to the force, I like I look around and I'm like Qui Gon what are you talking about? Like you realize that this kid's going to be a powerful dark side user, right? Like, because there are so many of you Jedi, you're in control. You're the enforcers of the galaxy. You, you there are so many of you and you're very powerful. Like, obviously if this person is going to be the chosen one, then he's going to bring in the dark side to bring the balance. Right. But he keeps going down that path. I, do you do you guys know what I'm talking about? I know you're talking about, and I and I think that's the weird thing. And I don't know if this is a if this is a George Lucas problem or if it's something that he was meaning to communicate where the Jedi got it wrong. Um, but yeah, this idea that balance is that their that their notion of balance is actually imbalance. I, I you know yeah. th- oh, okay. that for them balance means the darkness is gone. Yeah. Okay, I see. I see what you're saying. So Qui Gon, he uses the word balance, but he doesn't mean it in the way that I understand it. What right. he's saying is the force is balanced when all of its impurities are scrubbed out. Right. And this kid is going to be the one to make sure that all those impurities are scrubbed out. Right. And if you look at, but but at the same time, and this is maybe where Lucas is a little bit more clever in the prequels than we give him credit for, is if you look at all of the all of the Star Wars movies that he had his hand in. They are they are a bit of a referendum on 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 the West, Western philosophy, Western ways of government. I mean, um, even today on Birth Movies Death is a great article showing that how um, Star Wars, the first Star Wars, was George Lucas himself intended it to be a commentary on on Vietnam and how a technologically superior government was going after a group of ragtag rebels that basically he he pitted the United States as the empire in mm. his original concept for Star Wars. Um, and so, you know, we look at that. I mean, in case, and it continues all throughout. I mean, even Rogue One has this really, I mean, really ro- amazing that they got away with it where the rebels are the ones, you know, it, it, wearing turbans, doing suicide bombing runs against the empire. Um, it's... Uh, you know, so there, so so it is a condemnation on the West, and I do think that because the prequels are all about how the Jedi failed, and how they got it wrong because they were really kind of just so far up their own asses that they failed to see what else was going on in the world, and perhaps like this is a commentary on the way that we in the West have done this kind of thing that rather than learning from the East and seeing how light and darkness need to be in a true balance in the sense that we're talking about now, that the Jedi had gotten to such a place where they thought, well, no balance means when we are the only one, when we're the only game in town. So do you, so do you think, so I'm going to use what you just said and, and bring up the Yoda scene. Yes. Which was, which was great. And I know that you were a big fan of it. Um, so Yoda, Yoda knew that Ray had taken the books out, 
right? So he tells he he tells Luke, you know, oh, there's nothing in there that that uh, that she does not already have, which is a funny little wink. But he but what he's basically he's giving Luke permission to destroy the Jedi, right? But and which is what happens when they light the thing on fire or when he lights the thing on fire anyway. So is the goal then that the Jedi disappear? And if that is the case, is the fact that that Ray has the books instructive? It, are we are we at risk of her ending up in the same place that Luke was, where he felt like he needed to create a new Jedi Order, or where Qui Gon Jinn was, where he felt like we needed to purge the darkness? If she does still have the ancient texts, because it well, was obviously yeah. it was obvious that it was obvious that Luke needed to hear his master say, "It's okay to destroy this stuff. Maybe it's time for the yeah, Jedi here. to end." Well, here, here's another way to look at it that is in line with what we're talking about. But I don't know. I can't speak for the writers, so I don't know if they had this much thought into it. But you could also see it as he gave Luke permission to at least believe that he was destroying what Luke needed to destroy to find balance in himself. Because sure. for Luke, it was the Jedi Order and his belief in the Jedis and what they were striving to do and what he ultimately did in that name that led him toward what, what he feared most. So Yoda gave him permission to believe he was destroying the very thing that brought him imbalance. When in fact, the books were gone, so the possibility of somebody else finding balance in another way was still in existence, but Luke didn't know that at the time. I, I, I think it's also... The fact that sacred texts are used in that is, I think, a very important piece because I think, I think there's a commentary. There's clearly a religion commentary and the idea that there is truth in the sacred text. The problem is, is that there's an institution that builds up around the sacred text that then become the keeper of the sacred text that interpret the sacred text a particular way and that this is a reformer mov moment. She's taken them, but... Yoda's realizing that all of the that the institutions surrounding those texts need to die and maybe they need to be reread and discovered anew without that interpretive tradition around it. Because, you know, Ray now has it, but she's not gonna have Luke telling her, No, this is what this means, and she's not gonna have another you know, she's able to discover it all on her own and take it into a new place. But I also don't but but at the same time, and my one problem with with, with some of this in the way it was depicted in the movie, is that on one hand, it clearly telegraphs that you know the books are burning up inside the inside the tree, and they're not. Um, so it seems to undercut what Yoda even says. But the other, but the other bit is the very last line that Luke says is, "I am not the last Jedi." Right. Um, and of course, the camera cuts to cuts to Ray, clearly telegraphing that she's you know. But but it's a question: Is she a Jedi or another kind of Jedi? Is she? Yeah, that, and that's 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 where they'll have to go forward. But, um, but as I see it, I think it's more about the destruction of the institution and the and the and and clearly the broken thing that surrounded these important texts that talk about how to utilize the force and talk about what the force is and all of that, um, so that they can be discovered anew. Which sounds a lot like the kind of stuff I've I, you you hear nowadays, and people talk about you know when they when they talk about the church when they criticize the church. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, here's this, you know, this book full of sacred wisdom, but we've got these people who are sort of keepers of it telling us what we can and can't do with it. But I don't know, maybe that's a, maybe I'm reading too much into it there, but that's sort of. No, I think you're right. I would just push back and say, I think that, I think that it's clear that Yoda is telling Luke what he needs to hear. I agree with Matt in that. Yeah. Uh, he needs, he needs to give, he needs to give Luke permission to let it go so that he can be who he needs to be in the final act of that movie. Which winds up being probably the most powerful display of Jedi action that we've ever seen in Star Wars. Yes. Force, force projection at a distance like that is incredible. Yeah. He bilocated, man. I, I, don't, I wouldn't call that bilocation, right? I mean, like, he, it's just very powerful projecting of himself. Okay. It was an astral projection. Right. But he's tangible. He that, kisses that's, Leia. That's, he. Yeah. Gives her the. Gives her the the dice. Of course, they they, they vanish. They, but... Yeah. Um, oh, there's yeah. there man. I just, there's something you could talk about there. Like Leia receives them in faith, and so she has them. But then when Kylo Ren picks them up, he doesn't pick them up in faith, and so they disappear. Yeah. That might preach. <laughs> um, yeah. So so I I only have a few more minutes. I have to give that disclaimer. Okay. okay. Um, so. So I want to hear before I have to sign off and let you guys tie everything up with a nice bow, Kylo Ren. Yeah, I, I thoughts. What I'm what I'm hearing from people about Kylo Ren is they don't like that. I think they I think they want him to just be like a badass. Like I think people want him to be Vader. You know, like the, the Vader redo. Um, I don't think they like that he's an emotionally conflicted person. He's not an absolute bad guy. Um, and I think, and I think the reason for that is that he strikes he strikes way too close to home for a lot of Star Wars fans because I think, I think he's he's us, right? I mean, Ray is all. I mean, um, well, Ray is too. Ray and Ray and Kylo are both they're 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 different sides of us as individuals. You know, some we we have the capacity to be heroic, great people. We also have the capacity to be really shitty, terrible people. And and I think that. He's is that we're looking at some characters that are a little too human. We tend to like some distance between these kind of mythic figures. Um, but I really like Kylo Ren. This movie made me like him way more. Um, I like that he was emotionally unstable in the first movie. That to me made him way more scary than Vader. Um, right. And to see that in this movie, as Snoke says, that he's a child wearing a mask is perfect. Um <laughs> And yeah, playing off that sense of him needing to needing playing off that sense of him needing to prove himself, um, I thought was I thought was really great. Playing off his insecurities and stuff, I, I that's a great villain. Well, I would I would say that I think that Kylo Ren's like the char- his character development for this movie, you the moment in the in the elevator after that conversation with Snoke where he tells him to take off the mask and he destroys the mask, I think that's a very important cusp point for Kylo Ren's character where he basically says I don't I that he only this guy Snoke only wants me to be Darth Vader he wants me to be the second he wants me to be the enforcer and it is from that point forward every all of his actions are about getting to the point where he can kill Snoke hmm. and I think that that's really exciting and interesting um in that it gives him some 
it gives him some context for an, a motivation that isn't just the wrath of his daddy issues. Gotcha. Uh, and it, it is itself kind of a daddy issue because he wants to kill this new father figure. But um, I really like what they do with Kylo Ren. And I think that the pain and or like the, the hate that you're hearing online about it or hearing from people is I think that people just assume that he's going to be redeemed. Or that right. there's a there's an immediate element of redemption, and he uh, has he has gone very far away from that. I still think that it's a possibility. I think that the relationship with Ray, I think that the way that they narratively, cinematographically connected them in this movie shows that there is that that relationship is going to continue to be important, maybe to help him get to a redemption place. But he, I mean, he he has the choice on several occasions to say. Okay, let's get let's be done with all this dark and light. Let's be let's rule together. He he tries to do it, but it's in a rule together. Take this military power and continue to wield it, kind of a way yeah, that isn't that isn't yeah. what people want. Yeah, and see, I don't really see him as conflicted. If that's what people think, um, not in the sense that I think that their complaint would be. Um, if they're saying that he's conflicted, like he he doesn't know if he wants to be good or bad. Um, that's not the way I view his character. I actually see him as being probably the most dangerous and, and scary villain I've seen in Star Wars because his only quote-unquote being conflict, conflicted I think is lying to himself in the sense that he believes even the, the, the light that he believes he's struggling with is actually darkness that he's lying to himself saying it's good. Um, like the fact that he wants to kill Snoke and that he is so good at covering his intention that Snoke can't even read what he's actually doing um, and believes that his ultimate enemy is her when he's really killing him. But then his immediate thing is conquering again. Um, just like Father Fun saying, his immediate thought of what it means to be good is the two of us will conquer. Um so I think that his confliction that's that's going on within himself is actually just lying to himself that any of what he is is considering is the right path and that he's only heading down a path of, of hatred. It's just a matter of which path he's going to take. Um, but he's already he's already lost himself so completely that he doesn't even realize that he has no concept of what the light actually is, but that he he. He just believes conquering one thing is the way to go, um, the way to go forward, which plays into the bigger theme we're talking about. To him, it's all about conquering one or the other. It's about conquering, killing, ruling um, rather than balance. Um, and he's so, so lost in it. I don't think he has a concept of what the right choice is anymore. Yeah. So any path he chooses that he's got laid out in front of in front of himself is a is a scary path to go down. Um, yeah, and I, I I thought it made for a very good character. I worry about uh, when I walked out of the movie. One of the first things I said was, I really hope that the next movie takes place several several years, a decade down the line. You know, I think that they could age the characters well enough that it would be believable. Because right now, I, st I do think that you're right about everything you say about Kylo Ren, but he still, and maybe it's because all of his power comes from rage, he just feels very green. And, and, I, and I don't see him as the kind of, and maybe that's his weakness or where his development goes, but I don't see him as the kind of um, dark side user leader who can do the kind of 
calculus to actually control a galaxy. Um, I, I, he just doesn't right. have that. He doesn't have that presence of mind that a much older and more seasoned dark side user like Sidious or Snoke can can has. He doesn't calculate. He he reacts. Um, he, I mean, right. I, honestly, and I, that contradicts what I was saying. He was planning to kill Snoke. I think the whole movie, but um, I, when you're talking about civilization he just doesn't it doesn't seem like he has enough meat on his bones to be able to do that yeah well he's a nihilist i mean he just wants right. like but, everything but that's what, right there's something even more frightening about the concept of that much power without direction um which is why i think his character to me is uh, i i loved the character in the movie because he has no direction so he's just this like completely unleashed um no pun intended this completely completely unleashed force um, of hatred that's moving around the galaxy, acting out whatever he feels in that moment is appropriate, which at times can be more frightening than the the leader who thinks he's got it all planned out and is trying to conquer everybody. Um, because he stopped, he, he stopped, he's got like, yep. He stopped himself from killing Leia. What's that? Yeah, I... I mean, because I mean, that's that. That's when they're talking about his hesitation, and all. I mean, even Snoke mentions he's like, I, you know, I've I sensed the struggle in him, and I exploited it in order to get Ray captured for that scene. So, I mean, I think I think there is a conflict in the guy between the light side and the dark. I don't think that it's all dark. I think he hesitated killing his mom because it's his mom. Um, I mean, I I don't know. Since we brought up Leia real quick, I liked I liked that we got to see Leia use the Force. That was pretty awesome. The oh, the way she did it was <laughs> so dumb. Oh my gosh! <laughs> really? I Although she did become yeah, no, a I... Walker, right? Oh my gosh, she did, didn't she? <laughs> I floated her. I saw. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. All right. All right. Do you have to leave, Matt? more on that one so i'm gonna step out on that because i am in agreement anyway all right okay we lost it he's gone he's, he's, gone. Uh, he's gone all right well for, for, for I, a while that we had a droid on our show that was cool yeah that, <laughs> that was mw4tq <laughs> um yeah i i i thought that that was so such a weird i don't know i thought it was weird i thought i, I didn't think it was necessary um I had something more profound to say about Leia. I can't think of what it was. Yeah, I um, I do think that part of it is that part of what that showed is regular. There are little moments throughout the entire movie. Again, I want to see it again so I can see more. But there are moments throughout the movie that show how how not in control Kylo Ren is. Not in the sense of like his emotions, but just like. He hesitates in killing in, in, in shooting at his mom, but then his two his two wingmen open fire because Snoke right. told them to. Um, and you know how much and then like later on, he chokes Hux and Hux refers him as supreme leader. But then when they're in that that AT MC five whatever that stupid thing was called the the AT the Walker um, right M six yeah yeah thank you um, he's um, um, barking orders and like Hux is like kind of undermining him again. Like there's that, there's that sense that Kylo's not really like, he thinks that by virtue of his power, everyone should bow to him, but they don't. 
and that they should right. follow his lead and they don't. And I and I'm wondering if just that scene was kind of meant to show that that he didn't actually want to kill his mom and he thought that maybe he could get away with it, but there's a machine bigger than him that's trying to motivate that's trying to move him in a particular direction that he's not on board with because i mean the, the whole thing is about legacy right i mean he's the, the whole movie is about legacy and he's you know defined as the grandson of darth vader the nephew of luke skywalker and and he kind of doesn't want to be any of those things he just wants to be kylo ren right and that's why he wants to destroy everything around him but maybe you know the part of him that he still wants that validation of his mom because he's a mama's boy and he feels that that's been taken away from him by Luke and by everything else. But I don't, I don't know. know. There are like those little things in the movie, though. Like I know you and I have talked about this a little bit. There are like these little things like that that are that they didn't feel like they really worked with them dramatically enough in the movie for them to like Snoke's death is a, is a, is one that I know other people yeah, online let's, and let's stuff talk, talked about. Let's talk about that. yeah that. Yeah. I'm some people have uh, some people that I've read some reviews that I've read have said you know Snoke was such a nothing character and that it's kind of great that they let him die as a nobody just showing that he's just a generic nobody uh, just another person who wants to be like the emperor or whatever and that there's its own commentary there and which I'm fine with I'm fine with that being the case but they didn't show us that in the movie they've set up Snoke to be kind of a big deal Luke talking about how he corrupted kylo ren or ben solo um i I just kind of needed just a little bit more not i don't need like a full backstory i don't need him to turn out to be like boba fett's like uncle twice removed i don't i don't need any of that i just i just need to know why what what kind of a threat he truly was and why and 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 what weight his death carries for the first order because they made it they made it seem like I mean, like, 30 minutes of the movie play out, and things are running, and Snoke is dead, and nobody seems to be aware or care. Right. And, um, and clearly, like, it's an important moment for Kylo Ren to kill him. You know, him killing his dad in the last movie, we understand what that means thematically. But Snoke dying, it's sort of like, okay, you've just told me he's a bad guy, and that he's a, and we've seen that he's a, you know, but I, I just, he doesn't feel like a I full complete- character to me. I completely, I completely agree uh, in that moment in the theater, I <laughs> I was sitting there and I literally like saw it happening. Right. Like you see the lightsaber spinning and, you know, but then like when it actually happens and his body f- falls apart, I like put my hands up in the air and like put them on top of my head. And I just was like, what? And I think I think that's what I talk about when I say, like, I just don't know what they're going to do with this final movie. If it's just going to be this uh, – if the big bad is this angry kid, it's fine. I love Kylo Ren, and I'm excited to see what they do with him. But, like, I just felt like they needed Snow. I mean, and, and, and the thing is – and I we have to get – you're right. We have to get more backstory. Um, he's He is an immensely powerful – dark side user right not a sith dark side user in the aftermath novels which are the novels that take place uh that kind of tell the story of the fall of the empire the end of the empire and the beginning of the first order it is heavily implied that the that the emperor had been hearing throughout the course of the original trilogy had been hearing a voice from the outer outer reaches 
calling to him that, that that he interpreted to be like the heart of like the root of the dark side. Like he felt like there was this like force entity of darkness out there and that was calling him and he was doing everything he could to create to, to connect himself to that and then was establishing in case of his own demise, he established this whole order to basically destroy this galaxy and then head out toward the outer outer reaches to find this thing that you should then follow. The empire should then follow. Um, and, and, and for him to die in such a way, it didn't feel cute. It didn't feel to me like a commentary on anything. It felt like, it felt like being robbed. Right. It, right. And, and on some level, it felt like Ryan Johnson was like, yeah, this is a stupid character, so we're just going to kill him now. Yeah. And it it doesn't allow – I mean, it, it's possible that, like, Barry Allen in the in, in DC Comics or um, Tasha Yar in Star Trek The Next Generation, that Snoke could become a bigger character in his death than he ever was on screen. Or he could come back. I mean, Darth, Darth Maul gets cut in half. And he comes back with spider legs and then with the uh, animatronic legs in this in the Clone Wars. So um, maybe, but but it does it does feel like I think I, I think I would say that, like, narratively, he did exactly what he needed to do for us to get on board with what Kylo is trying to do. Right. He he belittled him. He talked about how terrible he was and how easily he was able to be manipulated and all that kind of stuff to give Kylo the motivation that he needed to actually kill him. But I still, which is great, and I think it was well executed. But I still, I mean, it's just the 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 researcher in me, the one who's interested in these things about the dark side. I just feel like we need just a little bit more to understand how he got to be who he is right. without ever actually being a presence in the that that the emperor never says in the original trilogy. Oh, and we're headed out to the outer reaches, or like that. There's never. An, an instance of somebody saying like this, how powerful this thing is out there. And yeah, I mean, uh, and even if it turns out that the whole thing was a farce and this is just somebody who's really like, he knows how to manipulate the force enough, but he's able to talk a big game and he was never really all that powerful to begin with. That would be fine too. Just show right. me that because I, his death was unsatisfying to me. Yeah. And, and I just wanted to, you know, I want, I wanted, I wanted to be able to have that be like the music swelled and it clearly within the movie meant something, but as an audience member, it meant nothing to me. It kind of, yeah. in a weird way, reminded me of, um, of, um, is it Dax in A New Hope? Um, who dies? Um, when you watch the theatrical version, no, it's not Dax, because yeah. that's in Empire. In, um, I can't remember his name, but it's, it's Luke's friend. Who, oh, right. Uh Yes, when they it was supposed to be, it was supposed to have a much bigger, bigger role in right, the like, film. Yeah, they filmed like a whole scene with him, yeah. and then they had to cut it for the movie. But they left his death in, and like the movie always like still maintained like the dramatic note musically and everything right. about his death. Holds there for just a minute. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it was that necessarily. I it did, but it did just feel like. God, maybe there's a deleted scene or and, and maybe there's just no way to show it without it just being ex- exposition. And it seemed it seemed it sure seemed like Johnson was allergic to exposition. I mean, it was he was yeah. very much into showing you and to just and, to, and to, for things to be shown through action. And he just felt like there wasn't space to. I mean, he demonstrated how powerful he was, but where was this guy? That's the that's the that's the only question I have. I don't care if he's some whatever. I just want to know where was he? He's old. 
Right. Where was he for the last 60 years or yeah. however old? Where, and where, is his is his body twisted because of some battle or because of his dark sideness? Like, is he twisted because of the dark side? Like, that kind of stuff is very interesting to me. And yeah. I, I, I'm just I just feel like I need was he that. was he a, was he like the first student that Luke recruited? Like, I, I, I just there's like so many possibilities of who he could be. Um, and yeah, I'm with you. I, I just, I just, I just need a little bit more. Like, give me, give me like two sentences more on the guy and I'd be fine. Like, I just need something. And like a series of like five comics that, <laughs> uh, to talk about his childhood or something. I don't, I don't know. But, um, I mean, I like the idea of the movie playing with the idea that a lot of times these people are nobodies. Like, I love Ray's back. So I'm talking about Ray for a moment. I like that she's a nobody. I like that she's not connected to the Skywalker family, that she's just a person. And I've, I've, gotten on, I've gotten on board with that, but it took some it took some work. I think in the movie I was like, oh, OK, Kylo's just saying that to manipulate her into doing what he wants to do, which I think is also a narratively plausible thing. But when Snoke does step up and say, no, she's powerful because the light rises to meet the darkness, as we mentioned earlier, uh, that's compelling. And right. it does. And it does also put I think you shared something where it puts the it puts the Finn and Rose mess of a storyline into context a little bit because it says and then the final scene with the slave boy using the force on the broom and then holding it like a lightsaber um it puts it into this context of the force is going to do what the force is going to do and right now the dark side is very powerful and 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 we're going to see a new a new rise of nobodies who are coming into kind of wipe out the Skywalker legacy or whatever is going to happen in the last movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I, I'm so annoyed with the people who get the whole thing about Ray being a Mary Sue and, and being like a, like a character who just is infallible mm-hmm. and does everything right. Cause I, I just, I didn't see that in this movie. I felt that she was, she's overly earnest. Yeah. And that's, that's a great character trait to see that she's earnest, but she's wrong. Yeah. Like she ends up being wrong. Yeah, she's yeah, so I mean, in this, sure in this, of in this discreet moment, right? Like, but she could, it could, it could come back, and she could be, she could kind of marry Sue the whole thing. But she's definitely wrong right now about Kylo. Right. I mean, that that whole bit. I love that bit where she was like, "I've seen your future." She's so sure of the future that she's seen, and then when she finds out that it was all a vision popped in her head by Snoke, like that was great. Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't realize that. I thought that the vision that she was seeing was she was seeing she was seeing Kylo kill Snoke. Which ended up happening. It's just that she interpreted that. I, I, I don't think that Snoke actually put the vision. I think that when they touched, the Force actually connected them. And Kylo actually did see that her parents were nobodies. And she actually did see him turning away from the dark side. But it was only her him killing Snoke. She wasn't surprised by that. She interpreted that as his betrayal of the dark side, which it was not. Okay. You have to see it again because I, I got the sense that Snoke, I thought I thought I remember Snoke explicitly saying like I put these visions in your head. He, I, he just said I connected you, but oh, then, okay. but then in the fa- that one that final the final scene with them, I think when she's getting on the Falcon, there's this moment where they don't talk to each other, but it kind of does the same cinema, c- cinematographic yeah. thing where it shows that maybe they're seeing each other still, and so it begs the question, like was it really was it really Snoke? Like what? Maybe they were just connected, right? Or, or or has the work that Snoke did to establish the bridge between them now um, just part of who they are? 
I thought that was I thought I said this in our group conversation, too. But like I thought that was so cool. That was my favorite thing in the movie was those conversations between the two of them and the way that it started out with Daisy or Ray being so upset with him and mad at him about about uh, about Han Solo. And then, like, they actually have conversations and they talk about, like, the nature of. Uh, the nature of loyalty and of like, it's just, it's just a very cool idea that your, your light side guy and your dark side guy are um, connected so intimately that they talk to each other regularly, but are still very firm in their own power. Right. Like Republicans, Democrats. Um, <laughs> they reach across the aisle to talk to each other, even though they're firm in their, Saying this is what we should be like. Um, no, I, I, um, I also, I, I was a little dis- for momentarily disappointed that Kylo didn't just become a full on like good guy at the end of the movie. Uh, by the end of the movie, because I kind of was hoping that this was going to be the inverse of what we saw in the last trilogy about you know previous trilogies about corruption about the dark side leading people down to the lar- down to the dark side the idea of the yeah. likes of the light side luring someone out from the dark i thought would be kind of a cool uh foil to what we've seen in the past which may i mean it may still be part of what they're doing here but um the fact that like the idea that he's being seduced by the light side like that's language that we hadn't seen in star wars before um yeah. And, you know, so I thought that maybe they were going to set up, you know, him dealing with his redemption and then um, in the next movie, but also uh, Hux becoming becoming the new supreme leader and him having to confront all of that. But um, I'm, I'm happy with where they went with it, actually. You know, I was a little for a moment disappointed. Um, I do want to see the Knights of Ren, though. Yeah. Um, that's another thing that they've hinted at that they've not done anything with. That he's got his little yeah. his little mask wearing cronies running around the galaxy. Apparently, J.J. Abrams is a big fan of them, and so if he's um, you know helming the episode nine, then it would make sense that they would be part of it. And I think I think you're right. Like there, there's got to be more in my mind. And maybe it's just because I'm in the Star Wars mindset of the Sith rule of two, which we don't have anymore because there are no Sith. But like. There, there, there has to be more powerful dark side users. I just don't like all of that power being contained in one person. And so, so maybe like, what did you call them? The, the ring rates of the Star Wars universe was yeah, that you? Yeah, force rates. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The Nazgul of the Star Wars universe. But again, like, there's a whole story there that we don't know anything about. Right. Like, that isn't even any any of the interim canon books and 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 uh, and stuff have been explained. Are, are are they the other students? Is that how we're supposed to understand them, or I mean, were they? That's Some what I'm going of, off of because Luke mentions yeah. that he takes like he kills all but eight students, right? And, right. Yeah. And takes them with him. And I think there's eight. I think there's like a total of nine, which oh, nine ring, nine kings of men. Right. That's uh um, but um, but yeah, because that, but that whole idea too that he's got that he's got some other like yeah dark side force users floating around with him. And they, and mm-hmm. they were in. Am I, I'm, I'm trying to remember. Were they were they only in the deleted scenes of Force Awakens, or were they actually in the Force Awakens? They were, they were in the um, in Ray's vision when she touches the lightsaber. Right. There's a scene where she sees uh, she sees all of them standing in the rain with Kylo at the front of them. Right. Because if I'm not mistaken, the deleted scene there's a part where there's a part where he goes onto the Millennium Falcon, and I think they're with him when he hmm. does that. 
Oh, I didn't. I didn't notice that or hear that. Um, I have to now. now I'm gonna go home and watch the deleted scene um, to find out. But um, yeah, I mean, like that's the kind of like world building stuff that I wanted to see more of. I mean, I'm glad that Johnson streamlined it because I mean, he already had plenty to deal with. I mean, he had what five character, like five storylines. He was kind of five parallel storylines he was working with. Yeah. Um, so that was that was a, that was a lot to deal with instead of trying to introduce you know. I'll do deal with all these other characters. So I get what he was going for, coming for going with, but, um, but no, the consensus is, I mean, the movie's got its, the movie's got its problems. I know you really don't like Admiral Holdo. Yeah. I just felt like she was an unnecessary character, but I'm seeing more stuff pop up these, these, these time or in the days following the movie that are about how like, like I'm, I'm looking at a headline that right now that of an article that I'm going to read that says toxic mas- masculinity is the true villain of Star Wars: The Last Jedi, where, and and I would say that the issues I have with Holdo are about her, in general narrative unnecessariness because she had a role that could easily have been played by Carrie Fisher, right? Um, or Admiral. But I, but I do think the fact that she is there and is a you know female leader who's trying to lead this hotshot pilot who feels like he needs to be on board with a plan is like it's it's cool i guess and especially in light of like current events and um and our continued learning and development of an understanding of the truth of the power of women to actually be leaders but it just it just felt like she was clunkily addressed it was exactly like snoke but in a different way where what like you leia references one battle that you were good at you know, you did something at, but like, I'm supposed to trust you with the alliance now. I, d- I just don't, and maybe yeah. I'm toxically masculine, but it just, it didn't. <laughs> I've never seen you before, but now feel, you're in charge. It didn't feel like she was earned as a character or as, and that her death wasn't earned. Um, that, that said, most beautiful shot of the, of the movie uh, was that, that hyperspace collision. Oh my gosh. So cool. Um, but I just, I just felt like, I just felt like, <laughs> I shared this with you, but the like give that role to Akbar. Like let let Admiral Akbar instead of just saying, "Oh yeah, he was on the bridge when they blew it up." (laughs) Like let him let him let him be the one to ram it in. And maybe okay, maybe he's a fish man, and so we don't need a fish man. But we need a we need a woman to sacrifice herself. I I get that. That's fine. I just felt like I just I felt like she wasn't earned. You should read um, you should read a few of the things that are on Birth Movie's death about the movie. And you should yeah. also read Devin Faraci's review because he does a really good job of talking about the toxic masculinity piece in the movie, um, and how and how Poe, like Poe, is very much like because the first thing that he does is he looks at her and he's basically like she doesn't look like a general. Like he judges her on her appearance. Like it's yeah. it's, it's almost pitch perfect in what what we men tend to do to women. Um, it's funny because he like basically looks at her and is like, "Could I bang her?" That's like his first look. He's like, "Could I bang her?" <laughs> that's funny coming from uh an accused abuser himself yeah well not accused he admitted to it but he, he was did. but it was like 10 15 years before like it was 10 15 years ago and during his uh anyway i go on all thing but, but, but yeah. i think I, yeah and he willingly stepped down from his role because of it so he, he reckoned yeah. anyway but um it is a review yeah I'll, I'll read it i'll read it but yeah, he's also recently devin's also recently become a, a buddhist so he interjects a lot of his like you can definitely tell that he's a he's a recent convert to Buddhism. <laughs> no zealot like a convert. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, when he talks about the force in it, but yeah, no. I but aside from like these little nitpicky things, Star Wars always has nitpicky things. 
Sure. And yeah, because it's a, I mean, they're movies about, about faith and about people and you know, there's always things to interpret or things to misinterpret. So yeah. well, but there's, I mean, but also aside from, I mean, like, like things like Snoke, like, yeah, that's just a, that just felt like a screenwriting problem. Um, that Star Wars has a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, like the Porgs. Okay. For crying out loud, <laughs> that scene where Chewie, Chewie's looking at the Porg and he refuses to eat the Porg. Right. Let's let's not, let's forget the fact that he clearly just killed three of them and had no problem looking at him when he <laughs> right. killed them. Right, it's the eating is the problem. Um, that was the only thing that bugged me. Either causes or the thrown lightsaber or something, and he was just doing something with the what? the meat that was presented. Maybe it was oh. maybe it was just from um, natural. They died from natural causes, or they died from a thrown lightsaber or something, and he was just doing what he needed to do to save the meat. <laughs> when uh, when uh, when when Ray shot the uh, shot the blaster and shot the right hole. right yeah uh, a rock fell out of her wall and killed the porgs yeah, yeah. okay uh, yeah okay there we go uh, I felt like didn't have enough to do this movie too anyway go ahead. they sideline they sideline three PO R two R two is in the movie for like all of a second mm-hmm. um, but it gets kind of the theme of the movie though is sidelining those characters Phasma. Getting, huh talk, talk about another strong female Phasma. Phasma. Boba Fetted. What a useless character, though. Not. Cool armor. Oh, by the way, first time in Star Wars that the friggin' Stormtrooper armor actually does something. Did you notice that? I know. That was great when it blocked. Yeah. It went, ding! <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, oh, sorry. I'm getting a, is that a text message. What is this? Ah, no. It's a, it's a, it's a JP message. Um... So, yeah, so consensus, we like the movie. Uh, there's stuff to nitpick, but I think it's a very good movie. Um, do you have any I'm final... Exci- I'm excited for the future. I'm excited for uh, the Han Solo movie. I'm excited for Nine. See, I'm excited I... for... Uh, Ryan Johnson has demonstrated a, uh excellence in uh, sci- science fiction movie making, and I'm excited for his trilogy as well, whatever it may be. I think that... I think Ryan, bright. I think Ryan Johnson, he did some bold stuff with this movie. Um one of which was to, I think in some ways he he put himself as Kylo Ren, kill the past if you have to. Mm-hmm. I think he he kind of fell on his lightsaber to to to, to, uh, um, to help free up the franchise in the future. I I think he made some intentional moves on this so that it wouldn't feel so beholden to what had come before, and that he he did what he did narratively so that when J.J. Abrams comes back in for nine, he he's kind of forced to have to take the thing into a new direction rather than keep riffing on what's come before. Um, and that was a bold move for him to do um, risky for him to do. And I think, and the other thing is, is he very much made star Wars fans look like bad guys. If you read the subtext of that movie, because I, I think the star Wars fans are kind of the ones who are castigated in the casino planet. Um, mm. Cause I mean, who's benefiting from star Wars? You know, the people who buy the, you know, people sell, who sell the toys. And, you know, I mean, there's a, there's an element there of, uh, I think of that or, or that or he's, uh, that or he's completely given a middle finger to Disney slyly. <laughs> yeah. Um, with a little metatextual piece, but, um, but no, I think, I think it's a very good movie. I can, I, I still can't understand why some Star Wars fans are going to the, I don't know if you heard this, by the way, there are some Star Wars fans that are going through the trouble of creating bots to downvote reviews on Rotten Tomatoes so that the score will get lower. 
Oh my god. I don't know. That's how do you yeah, have that's giving, that's giving into the dark side for sure. How do you have that one that kind of free time? And how how does a I just don't, I don't understand that. And I also just understand how you can look at this movie as though it was that bad. Now I mean there's some people out there who are mad because they they they've already been they've been mad about Finn and Rey as seeing it forced social you know SJW inclusion, you know, diversity diversity casting, um forced yeah. diversity. Um, then that's always going to be a problem, but, um, it's, uh, I don't get that. Cause I, I thought it was a very good movie. I really liked it as well. So, uh, any, any other final thoughts, Patrick? No, thank you for inviting me to have this conversation. I'm, I'm sad that JP's, uh, experiencing internet issues and it was good that Matt was with us for a little while, but yeah. always a, always a pleasure to speak with you. Yes. Yeah, so, well, it was nice to, uh, to, to let you moderate the podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, anytime. Um, and uh, uh, we need to have you back on. Of course, you, we should have you. We need to have you on for something other than like you're like the, you're like our kind of like our token Star Wars comics video <laughs> games guy. We need to have you on for like just like just some just a topic. Yeah. Okay. We are one of the things we are talking about, listeners. You can you can get a little heads up on this one. We've been talking about, and I just want I want to do while probably while JP's away because it would be weird for him. Uh, is maybe like have you. And Keelan and Matt on, and we can talk a little bit about how parenthood affects our consumption of media. Like, do we mm. watch or listen to things differently since we've had kids? That's a great idea for a conversation. Yeah. So I'll keep you posted. Okay. Um, well, thank you, listeners. Um, you know, uh, we are we we are hoping hopefully going to be here. Uh, hoping I don't know what, where that came from. We are hoping to be back in a regular rotation of episodes. So um, I, I'm glad you're with us. Thank you for listening. Um, please, you know, like, subscribe, do all that kind of fun stuff that we always beg you to do. Or and and, and um, give us comments. You know, tell us what you thought about Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Tell us that we're all completely wrong and that Kylo Ren is the worst villain ever, and that they made terrible decisions, and that everything would have been better had um, Grand Admiral Thrawn been the main villain of this story and we had just gone back to those those novels or that it should have been um, um, it should have been um, Dark Empire um, um, from the Dark Horse Comics run from back in the day. I don't, whatever. Whatever you want to tell us to do um, um, just tell us and we, we'd love to hear it. We'd love to argue. We'd love to tell you how you're wrong. Um, so uh, do that. And we hope that you all will have a very Merry Christmas. We hope that Santa will be very generous to you and give you lots of good Star Wars toys. Um, and I hope that you do continue, if you've not done so already, to check out Father Fun's um, Advent calendar videos with his daughter, Erinine. They are adorable. Uh, they are insightful. Um, you get to learn fun technical stuff about Star Trek uh, vehicles and TV shows Star, like Star Wars. Wars. Did I say Star Trek? Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, Stop. We almost got through a whole podcast without that happening. I, I thought it was going to be me. I thought it was going to be me, but it used you. Well, you know, I take one for the team. JP can fix it in post. Um, so do Star, that. Check. Jeez, boys. Star Wars. Uh, that, that would actually be really funny. <laughs> or it's just a bleep, like it's a swear word. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so check those out and have a Merry Christmas and have a very good journey. <laughs>